On today's show, we discuss the breaking trade that just happened between the Brooklyn Nets and the Atlanta Hawks. Alan Crabb going to Atlanta, Torian Prince going to Brooklyn, many first round picks changing hands from Brooklyn to Atlanta, discuss the implications on free agency, and have Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks on to discuss what he sees in wing Torian Prince. All that and more coming up. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Nets podcast where the NBA never stops and our Brooklyn Nets are actually giving us some stuff to talk about uh, instead of us having to recap the finals. So thanks for that, Sean Marks. The Nets uh, made a trade with the Atlanta Hawks today, sending the uh, the beloved Net, the really, truly beloved Net, Alan Crabb. Pour some to, out. Pour some out for Alan Crabb. Uh, to Atlanta with the 17th pick in this year's draft. And then uh, uh, 2020 first-round pick, lottery protected, rolls over in 2021, 2022. And then if it hasn't conveyed by then, so basically if the Nets make the playoffs three years in a row, then it would turn into two second-round picks in 2023. For Torian Prince, uh, a guy who was picked 12th in the 2017 or 2016 draft, uh, promising swingman, a bit older, um, despite only being in the league a few years, but really good shooter. And uh, we talked to Brad Rowland of Locked On Nets, or Locked On Hawks, Hawks, sorry, and Peachtree Hoops, uh, and got the breakdown on Torrey and his thoughts. And then Nets also get a 2021 second-round pick. And joining me to recap this trade and our initial thoughts, Marcus Barahal. Hey, Marcus, what's up? Hi, Josh. I already made a couple chime-ins, but... uh... Nice to get the official introduction. Uh, shout out to the Nets, giving us some content in June. Guy, there's nothing better than content in June. You wake up every morning just hoping you see something from Woj, from Shams. I go to um, sleep every night, and my, I can't hardly sleep because I'm just thinking, like, please give me some Nets content. Please, overnight, please. Yeah, today, we'll take a wind horse report even. Yeah, Mark Stein. Pretty much anyone. Uh, but, yeah, we got, we got some cool news. Uh, what are your thoughts on this trade? Because I... For, for, like gut feeling for me, I was happy at first that there was at least some activity going on just to spice things up. But then as I'm thinking about it, you know, the Nets were in the Hawks position last year in asset accumulation mode, taking on the bad salary of Timothy Mozgov for extra first round picks. Uh, the one they're take their one they're drafting with 27th um, this year. And I think we had talked about saying, hey, the Nets are probably going to trade some of their draft picks uh, this year just because they're not going to take three new guys onto their roster. Um, definitely, obviously, a big part of this move. One, you get a, a promising guy in Torian Prince that's going to contribute more than Crab. He's a wing with good size, okay defensive defensive tools, and defensive instincts are another story, but at least the tools to be a decent defender. And then a really good shooter, uh, and you're giving up a guy in Crab who has a bloated salary, has underperformed, hated by the fans. Um, you clearly made a mistake when you traded for him uh, for Andrew Nicholson, so kind of righting that wrong, so to speak. And obviously, kind of what's lurking over is that the Nets have a lot more cap space now to potentially get another free agent. Yeah, I mean, my first reaction was similar to yours, where it was like, oh, this will be something to talk about. And then I liked the the trade initially, because I do like Torian Prince. I liked him uh, coming out of Baylor, and I've like obviously not watched a ton of Hawks games, but like from what I've seen, he obviously can shoot the ball, and he's got good size. So uh, we get into him a little bit more later with Brad, but... 
Uh, in terms of getting off of Crab's contract, who I think you and I have both been frustrated with at times, uh, and then the the big like elephant in the room is like all the rumor, all of the rumors that have been swirling about Kyrie Irving. Uh, he was pictured in New York uh, yesterday or two days ago, and so uh, obviously this seems to imply that maybe they have some kind of wink-wink deal with him or with some other free agent because now they have the space for him and another guy that could be D'Angelo Russell, that could be uh, maybe a wing guy. But yeah, I think that it's hard to judge this trade until we see what happens in a couple weeks, but I think that it kind of implies that something may be in the works. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it, it probably does. I think Sean Marks is not going to trade draft assets just for just for the hope of it. Um, I would at least I would at least hope he's not going to because sure. you know the Nets fans have dealt with so much recently, um, and I just can't take it. If, if you know at least he, Sean Marks put protections on these picks, um, right. but worst case, let's say Atlanta was their seventeenth pick. Uh, my boy Seku Dumbuya falls to them, and he becomes a stud. Oh. I I don't know if I could live with myself. You'd be crestfallen. But, yeah, I, I really would be. Between um, him and John Collins, you might actually switch to, to Lockdown Hawks, actually. Yeah, I do love John Collins. I forgot to ask Brad about John Collins. Um, <laughs> but uh, the thing is, like, I'm just trying to picture it. Let's say the Nets get Kyrie, just end up with Kyrie instead of D'Lo. Um, and obviously they'd be getting something from D'Lo in a sign-and-trade scenario most likely. But is that make this trade worth it? I feel like they need to get, like, another star. So obviously you're going to have the all-star level point guard, whether it be D'Angelo Russell or Kyrie Irving, one of those two will be a net, unless there's something like catastrophic that happens. You're going right. to have a really good point guard locked in. But the key is, what are they going to do with that other spot? Whether um, it's kind of a Kawhi or KD, which I think are kind of a pipe dreams at the moment. I think before this, I would say the Nets might have had the capital in place, both with current players and draft assets, to get a guy like Anthony Davis and make a, a compelling offer to um, to New Orleans, just considering that New Orleans is not going to pretty much consider the Lakers package just because of the bad blood there. The Celtics, I think, will be the front runner, and maybe the Nets could be in the mix. But giving up uh, some of these picks, I think it's going to be tough for them to put a package together that could even rival Boston or, or even the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they gave up a ton, honestly, because they gave up the 17th pick, obviously, which is something. Crab is, is not really an asset. Then the pick next year is lottery protected. So, like, if the Nets make the playoffs, which... I mean, they did this year, so I kind of expect them to next year, even if they didn't get Kyrie. Like, I kind of think we both picture them as at least, like, a 6th or 8th seed again. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, I, I could see that pick rolling over into the following year, and obviously if they get guys, it could end up turning into two seconds. So they didn't really give up a ton. And they got back a guy in Prince who, if he plays well, like, he could be a guy maybe that they trade in February if uh, he's, like, interesting to New Orleans. I don't know, because... I, I don't. They, they gave up one future pick, basically, other than the 17th pick. So they still have guys like Levert and uh, Rhodey, like who could be tempting, I guess, to New Orleans. So I think that they still have basically what they had before to trade for him, which, again, I don't think is enough, but I don't think they also gave up a ton in this trade. Yeah, it's a good point, but now I'm thinking, okay, we talked about this with, with Brad again, and I know we keep alluding to that, but you guys will hear it, I promise. <laughs> but the Nets are they're going to have to pay Prince at some point just because he's going to his fourth year now. He's shown some improvement and is a really good shooter. I'll give him that, especially. Um, but is he a lot better than a guy like Rodi Kurutz will be next year? Uh, maybe just because he's a much more consistent shooter on really good volume. But And the Nets do need wing depth, but I'm just trying to see the upside in this move besides the Nets having more cap space. Um, but obviously with Prince... You're going to have to give him a, at least a uh, an eight-figure contract 
next year. Um, so whether that's a starting salary of 10 million, 12 million, who knows, 15 million, it's a contract that's going to be at best probably neutral value. It's not going to be a steal. Um, so just because he's on his rookie deal now, it's not necessarily um, a prelude to continuous long-term value. Right. I think it's just the fact that he's probably like better than Alan Crabb right now, and he makes mm-hmm. like a fifth to a sixth of the salary, and so that would allow you to get those other guys in, and then obviously you can go over the cap to re-sign him if you think that's necessary next year. So I think it's just kind of like a one-year he's worth more than he's making this current year, which will allow them this summer to get guys if they right. can. Right, and and Damari Carroll really had, you know, he's he's gotten up there. He was okay last year and had times where he was really good. He was great in game one against Philly, but really tailed off besides that. So having another big wing there will be very helpful just because even though D'Angelo Russell is a big guy, Spencer Dinwiddie is a big guy, Karis LeVert is long, those aren't, they're not physical enough to match up with these Jimmy Butler types, Tobias Harris, Kawhi Leonard, which you're going to need in the Eastern Conference, even guys like Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. So having another big wing, regardless of his actual defensive talent at this point, uh, will be nice to, nice to have. So excited to see how Kenny will use him, uh, and I think that he could improve a lot in the Nets system. But time will tell. Uh, we're going to take a break here on the Locked On Nets podcast, and then coming up, we'll take your listener questions. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like, Marcus, I know you hate like a lot. Don't do it. Your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded. Basically, everywhere you go, Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. And we are also brought to you today by Grip6 Belts. Grip6, the ultra lightweight belt with no holes, no flap. It's a great Father's Day gift. Go to Grip6. They have a special offer for you at grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. And as always, you can find us on the Himalaya podcast app, our favorite place to get our podcast. It's free, super easy to use. Literally has every single podcast that you love that you're going to be searching for. You can personally curate your podcasts into playlists. I know that's my favorite part of it. And we think it is the best way to listen to Locked On Nets or any of our friends on the Locked On Podcast Network, baseball, basketball, NFL, college, pretty much everything. Uh, Marcus, let's take some questions that we get received on Twitter from the listeners. Uh, you can tweet at us and follow us at Locked On Nets. Uh, from at Robbie Worth, LaRob James, aka one of my, I think this is my friend. Yeah, this is my friend, Rob. <laughs> uh, big Nets fan, always tweets at Woj whenever he posts something. Not that it will happen, but is there any way on earth that the Nets can sign Kyrie and a KD slash Tobias and still manage to keep D'Lo? Marcus? Is there any way? Um, yeah. I guess technically if they like trade a bunch of guys before then right like if they were to trade Dinwiddie and maybe somewhat like clear more space because right now they have 46 million in space which would be enough to get two of those three guys basically either one guy on a max and like re-sign D'Lo and have a couple or not even a couple left over that'd probably be it and then or two guys and you let D'Lo go so Right now, no, but I guess uh, they could trade Dinwiddie. I know that this, there were like rumors that the Suns were exploring a trade for their sixth pick, and obviously they're looking for like a veteran point guard, so maybe that's a match. But you and I both like Dinwiddie, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, can you do it, Rob? 
you can, <laughs> but will it, is it going to happen with the current cap situation? No, uh, just because D'Lo has his big cap hole from being the number two overall pick. The Nets have $46 million un, uh, under the cap, as Marcus mentioned. Um, that's just not going to be enough for two max slots, which, which both Kyrie and either KD or even Tobias will get. Uh, so that's just not going to happen. I don't even know if I want Kyrie and D'Lo, to be, to be perfectly frank. Um, we'll see, but I think it's you're you're I know it's worked kind of with uh McCollum and, and Dame, but you're really duplicating a lot of efforts there. And the Nets, it's not like they have decent enough wings to get by. They really need to to like beef up that wing uh kind of group that they have. Torian Prince could go a long way in that, especially with Damari being a free agent. Jared Dudley, you can never just count on him, uh, besides him being just a great leader in the locker room. Uh, but I don't think that you need to spend all that money on guards. So uh, if, even if they could do that, great, but it's just not going to be realistic given the current cap situation of the team. Yeah, and we've already talked about how they have, like if they bring Kyrie in and bring D'Lo in, they'd have basically four like pseudo point guards if you count Levert as one, and that's like a mm-hmm. lot of overlap, like you just said. So I don't know that it makes sense, but it seems like it is possible. Like the Nets definitely appear to be considering it. Yeah, I don't know. I feel, I just, we just need to keep Dinwiddie. He's so great. <laughs> insanity. Uh, next, yeah, next question from at Jay Nielsen 4 and 6 Does this increase the chances of D'Lo being released? Let's just interpret that as D'Lo not being on the team right. this season. He will not be released. Um, I, I guess it kind of does, just because it seems like this makes it more likely that they bring in Kyrie Irving, which would, as we just said, like seem to indicate that D'Lo would then be on the way out. Uh, if the Nets care at all about positional overlap, which I think that they do. Uh, so I guess it makes it a little bit more likely. Uh, and it's I, I feel like it's almost like inversely correlated or proportional. I don't remember that math term to uh, their likelihood to sign Kyrie. So I think that this increased the Kyrie likelihood and thus decreased the D'Lo likelihood. What do you think? That's a correlation. Yeah, ah. no, I agree with that. Uh, I think it's... I don't know, all signs, like, what, what do you prognosticate the chances that they do get Kyrie just because, like, at this point, it seems pretty that the Nets are at least the odds-on favorite, um, and I don't, I can't imagine him going, I guess, Nets, Knicks, besides that, I don't think he's going to go back to the Lakers, the Celtics, I mean, it seems like they've completely kind of, especially after what Danny Ainge said today, um, completely are, are done with him, I don't know where else he would go, maybe the Clippers or somewhere random, but... Uh, it's looking like Kyrie Irving's going to be a net, most likely. Yeah, I mean, it's been rumored for a while. People like Bill Simmons, I remember, predicted it like weeks ago when he was kind of saying where he thought everyone would go. And uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like it's going to happen. Like there were those pictures that I think I mentioned earlier where Kyrie was like getting into a nice townhouse on the Upper East Side. So uh, he seems mm. like he's, he's getting comfortable here. Obviously, he's from uh, New Jersey. And so, yeah, I mean, it seems like it's going to happen. Not to like completely jinx it i'll I'll knock on some wood uh off mic here but uh yeah it seems likely yeah no that's good i mean listen kyrie irving's a talented player and from where the nets have been a few years back to get to the point where kyrie irving actually wants to come here it's pretty cool so i know that listen myself included a lot of people really love what d'angelo russell did for the nets for the nets uh last year and were able to kind of um really get behind him as a rallying cry someone that was counted out um, took a huge leap forward with the Nets player development culture, uh, culminated in an all-star berth for what was uh, a really fantastic season for him, kind of a, as a redemption story. But ultimately, Kyrie Irving's a better player and a much more talented player. Um, so I, 
from that standpoint, while I'd feel conflicted about not having D'Lo on this team, from a pure talent evaluation standpoint, Kyrie Irving is better for the Nets, regardless of um, all the cultural stuff and drama that he does create. So it will be interesting to see. Yeah, for sure. And uh, obviously, goes without saying, but can't wait for June 30th now at 6 p.m. Uh, it's going to be so exciting. I have it marked on my calendar already. <laughs> um, we are going to throw it to break, and then you'll be hearing our interview with Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks, getting an in-depth perspective on Torian Prince. But you can subscribe to the podcast on the Himalaya Podcast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, please rate and review us. Follow us on Twitter. I am at jmbass underscore. Marcus is at Marcus Barahal. And, of course, the pod account is at Locked On Nets. We will be back probably in a couple days, maybe Sunday or so, talking a little finals. Game four will be in the bag at that point. And then any other rumors that we're hearing swirling around these parts, uh, we'll be keeping a, a keen eye out. If anything breaking happens, we will be sure to jump on for an emergency pod. But until next time, be well. Bye. So now we are joined by the host of Locked On Hawks. You can find his writing on Peachtree Hoops, Dime, Brad Rowland. Brad, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, Happy to do it and uh, an interesting trade to discuss. Yeah, it really was. It's a trade similar to the one the Nets kind of made last year with Denver when they were in asset accumulation mode. Uh, Now the Hawks are kind of in those Nets shoes uh, Alan Crabb, a first-round pick this year, number 17 overall, and then a protected first-round pick uh, for next year going to Atlanta for the promising swingman Torian Prince uh, and a second-round pick down the line. Uh, my gut instinct is that the Hawks kind of won this trade from the Nets, unfortunately. Are you feeling the same way? Um, I think I like it for both sides, honestly, in different ways. I do like it for the Hawks, no question about it. And, you know, not every deal has to be a win-loss necessarily, which I try to tell people all the mm-hmm. time. Like, it can work for both sides. I think this actually can. I think, obviously, you guys will know even better than I would that it kind of matters what the Nets do with, with, with its uh, cap space. But um, given what they're trying to do, or at least seemingly trying to do, I think it actually has uh, sort of a mutually beneficial tone to it. Yeah, I completely agree. And it uh, is a similar thing to what Josh and I talked about when the Chris Tapps porzingis trade happened. Like, a lot of these trades are conditional on what happens this summer and beyond and so it's tough to give these rapid reaction takes but I think uh, in the moment the Hawks obviously got 17 pick for a guy in Prince who I think you guys liked but necessarily wasn't necessarily part of that long-term core with John Collins and Trey Young and obviously whoever you take at 8 and 10 and now 17 and then for Brooklyn uh, the Kyrie Irving rumors have been swirling and so this obviously adds fuel to that and then getting off crab uh, creates a ton of space where the Nets can now bring in two guys. So I think it could be great for both teams. Obviously, it depends what they do with these assets. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, Torian Prince was a polarizing player, I would say, in Atlanta, just because, um, you know, his strengths are pretty defined. He's a really good shooter, which is obviously pretty easy to recognize. And it's obviously it's a very helpful piece of any modern team. Um, also, had some weaknesses if you watched him all the time. I think the people that didn't watch him every single night are usually a little bit higher on him, which is interesting to note just because the stuff that he doesn't do particularly well is kind of nuanced. Like, he's not a good defender, really. He's supposed to be, but he kind of wasn't in Atlanta the last couple of years and, you know, some ball stopping, et cetera. But still, he's a guy who's pretty young on a rookie deal, not making a lot of money, and 
and with a defined skill. So if you package those, those things together, I kind of thought that they were going to get a fresh round pick for him if they traded him, and that's kind of what happened. And obviously there was more to this particular deal, but just through the lens of Prince, he's a helpful piece basically anywhere as long as he's plugged into that role. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because kind of coming out of Baylor, Prince to me was someone that his calling card was going to be his defense and his shooting numbers weren't terrible, especially from three, but you wouldn't think of him as such a a natural stroke guy, but it seems like, you know, 39% on pretty decent volume. That's the one uh, part of his game that you can really count on Um, in terms of how the nets are going to use him. Do you think of him as kind of like a, a Damari Carroll type, which the nets have now, because it seems like not only the dreads, but pretty similar game in terms of on offense, being able to spot up a lot. And then, uh, tools to be a solid defender. Damari has pretty good instincts, and hopefully the uh, ideas that Torian can get there one day as well. Yeah, coming out of college, he was supposed to be a defense-first player, and you know, as a rookie even, he played a very small role on a playoff-bound team before the Hawks start, started their rebuild, and he kind of filled that role. He came off the bench and was flying around defensively, and that was kind of what he th- was thought to be. Then you know, the defense kind of cooled a little bit as he got into a bigger role, Part of that, I'm sure, is effort related and just being able to sustain that. And maybe, you know, I guess the theory of this would be he's never played a prominent role on a playoff caliber team. You know, the last two years in Atlanta, it was not a playoff caliber team. And some guys just had their antennas wax and lane when they're not plugged in defensively on a uh, competitive environment. So maybe the theory would be that Prince gets back to his rookie season and, and the tools that he has and plays a little bit better defensively. The shooting is legit. I mean, certainly the, the Damari comp was always referenced in Atlanta because he he followed Damari Carroll pretty closely in Atlanta. They look kind of the they look, they look kind of the same same kind of size. Mm-hmm. And offensively, you know, Prince's Prince's shooting is legitimate. You know, th- th- that two year sample was on real volume as well, and that's his one kind of calling card is that he's a knockdown shooter, which is not what he's supposed to be, but he certainly is that now. That's real. Um, and you know, the the hope would be that he comes he comes he comes around defense because you can see it in in flashes. He's got pretty good size. He's not a great athlete necessarily he's a pretty average athlete but at 6'8 like 220 230 you don't have to be a great athlete and he's fine like he's not he's not giving up too much in the way of explosion to where he can't hold up on, on defense so it's really just energy effort attentiveness and that stuff's fixable it's not always gonna be there necessarily but I think um, there is some room for him to grow defensively and uh, if he does that then he becomes like a starting caliber player for sure. And I think that uh, you mentioned it perfectly, like his frame and his size is like ideal in what you'd want in that wing defender. Uh, I'm curious what you think about uh, his contract, because obviously this is the last year before he is a restricted free agent. So I know the Hawks probably weren't in a position where they'd want to pay him a ton of money. That's probably part of the reason for this trade. Do you think that he would make sense long term as a guy that you'd want to lock up in Brooklyn? And if so, like what kind of contract do you see him getting? Yeah, that was kind of the thing about this is that the, the prevailing notion, at least for me, was that they were probably going to trade him this summer just because he wasn't drafted by this regime in Atlanta. That's very important to recognize and realize that, you know, they, they liked him. But at the same time, he was not their guy necessarily in this front office. Uh, he, the, the, new, the new front office came in with Travis Schlenk a year after he was drafted. And usually that means that guys are not going to be sticking around as long as they might be otherwise. And also, he's a little bit older than most guys would be as they head into their fourth year. He just turned 25, which is not like over the hill or anything, but he'll be hitting for agency at 26. That's kind of your sweet spot for like a, for your prime necessarily, but he's not like 22, 23 in the way that some guys are when they're hitting for agency after their first contract. So those, that combination of things kind of leads to why Atlanta traded him. But in Brooklyn, yeah, I think he could certainly be, um, 
a guy you want to that you would want to invest in just because you know restricted free agency is often um kind of leads to guys being squeezed a little bit which is beneficial to teams if they get mm-hmm. there um extension wise i wouldn't be trying to give him a bunch of money now if i could help it i kind of like i think prince for me as someone who's seen him a, a ton i kind of want to see him play defense for a full season before i want to pay him um but if, if he does it then he could certainly be like a star, starting caliber kind of contract guy, like 15, 16 million dollars a year, or something in that something in that range would be pretty reasonable, I think, if he proves that he can kind of give that effort on the defensive end. And even beyond that, you know, the cap's kind of interesting the way that it's sitting right now. But the you know the prevailing sentiment normally is that starters get like 15 million, 15 million dollars a year, and I think he could probably be in that range as someone who could grow and uh, kind of get his whole prime in, on that contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he definitely has the tools in place. And, you know, for a lot of these wings, the shot is the most important part. And he has that in spades. So what do you kind of see as his his ceiling? Obviously, someone that's a little bit more mature, kind of close to max out. The hope is that with Kenny Atkinson as his sta- and his staff, as, as Hawks fans know well, great player development culture. And the hope is that maybe uh, Prince can kind of refocus on the defensive end. Do you, Could you see him as kind of an Ariza type? Or what's kind of the uh, max level that he could get to as a as a player? Yeah, that's probably a good comparison. Um, you know, like like a high end three and D, you know, very established starter type. I don't think he's going to be a star, but I think you know we there was a stretch um, at the end of the season two years ago when he was in more of a primary role offensively when he was averaging you know 17, 18 points a game for a few months. I'm not sure it's going to be that, but someone who averages you know 15, 16 points a game shoots very efficiently from three, um, plays average or better defense, and in today's NBA that is a very, very valuable player type just because every team is looking for guys who can play both both ends of the floor, stick stick on the floor in high-end situations, play um, in the playoffs, and he kind of profiles as that kind of player. So, yeah, like a, you know, he's definitely a role player type, but a, a pretty good one. I think uh, Adi Joseph was talking about him as like a, you know, fourth starter type of guy mm-hmm. on a good team, and that's that's a really valuable player. It may not seem terribly sexy, but I think he can probably get there if he shows up defense. No, that, that's definitely good to hear. And uh, last thing for you, Brad, Marcus and I are both big fans. When can we expect Atlanta season three? <laughs> Ooh, I actually don't know. I wish I, I wish I did know that that show is uh, incredible. And um, being from here, I, I just recognize things when it's happening, too, which is always fun because um, you wouldn't. It's just stuff that no one else would care about. It's like, oh, I, I've been there before. Uh, but no, I actually don't know. Hopefully pretty soon because it's uh, it's awesome. It certainly is. I've definitely been uh, been missing out on it. I think I might rewatch season one, especially because that was just uh, transcendent. But Brad Roland, you can catch him on Locked on Hawks. Thanks for coming on. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Happy to do it. Thanks, Brad.